Hello and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today we will be opening up the Salt and Light Hope Chest and pulling out some of our favorite conversations from the fall of 2018. We start by speaking with Damien Costello. He's been doing research about a native elder, Nicholas Black Elk, who not only was a revered native teacher of the Lakota Nation, but also a Catholic. Now he may be up for canonization. After that, we reconnect with Lori Yubowski of the band Out of Darkness. She speaks to us with her daughter Ava because they've written a mom-daughter journal side by side. In our second half hour, author Jeff Cavins tells us about the new Great Adventure Bible, and we end the show by meeting Canadian singer-songwriter Steve Bell. Remember to visit us at saltandlighttv.org radio and to comment on what you hear or to ask any questions, look for me, Deacon Pedro, on Facebook or Twitter. We begin now with Black Elk. I'm sure that most of you are familiar with St. Kateri Tekakwitha, or Kateri Tekakwitha, as some, sometimes she is called, the first female North American native to be declared a saint. The first North American native male to be declared a saint is St. Juan Diego from Mexico, because Mexico is uh, also part of North America. But now there could be another North American native saint. This one from South Dakota, from the Lakota Nation, and that is Nicholas Black Elk. And to tell us more, I am joined by Damien Costello. He's the author of Black Elk, Colonialism and Lakota Catholicism. Damien, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you for having me. It's so good to hear about, um, when I first heard about this cause, um, just because I, I had a chance to, to work on a documentary on, on well, she wasn't saint at the time, but Kateri Tekakwitha. So this whole intersection between Catholicism and Native spirituality is such an interesting topic. But before we get into all of that, can you tell us a little bit about Nicholas Black Elk? Who, who was he before he converted to Catholicism? Nicholas Black Elk um, was famous uh, in his own right uh, before... Not before he, he converted to Catholicism, um, but for his life before he converted. Um, okay. He was at the Battle of Little Bighorn. He was about uh, 12 years old at the time, and he participated in that. Uh, he fled to Canada with Sitting Bull. He, yeah. he toured Europe with Buffalo Bill Cody for about three years, uh-huh. and then he came back. He was in the Ghost Dance and also fought in the aftermath of Wounded Knee. Right. And most people would have heard of him through the famous book, Black Elk Speaks, which details right. his life up to Wounded Knee. Uh, the most important thing being the great vision he had when he was about nine years old. Okay, tell me about that. Well, when he was nine years old, he uh, was traveling with his people. They were following the buffalo, and uh, they stopped to get a drink, and he collapsed. He, he was sick. They set up camp and brought him to the teepee, and uh, he ended up being unconscious for 12 days um, right and during this time he remembers being brought up to the sky by by two men um and he saw you know the whole lakota spiritual world you know all the horse nations from the four directions he went to the the cloud teepee of the six grandfathers which represent the six sacred directions um and he brought his people down a journey. He was given gifts. He was given the power to destroy, the power to heal. And 
he was given this calling to uh, walk the people down the sacred red road, hmm. the holy red road, which is, you know, symbolic of a good way of blessing. You know, right. talk about the way in Christianity. Yeah. Yes. Um, and so, anyway, he he went back, he was sent back to his people, and his whole life he was trying to figure out, how do I follow this calling, this calling to bring the people down the red road so that the tree could bloom. Interesting. So why did he, do, why did he convert to Catholicism? Well, so he, as he's um, discerning what this call meant, uh, he avoided it for about eight years, he didn't really understand it, and that's, it's a big calling to yeah. receive a, a vision, uh, we see that in biblical tradition, yes. but also in native tradition. Um, to work with the spirits is a very difficult job and requires oftentimes great suffering. So yeah. he avoided it. Um, he finally gave in. Um, and he, there was always this sense that it was more than just being a healer, like healing individual people. There was this sense that he was going to renew his nation, but also humankind as a whole. And so he was always discerning, trying to figure out, well, there's something more, what is it? Uh, when he was in Europe, he... He went there. Um, It was a job where you could perform, inhabit your native culture, tour tour the world, and make a salary. You know, you couldn't do this at the time as you were being settled on reservations. Right. And he also said, I was going to investigate the European world, the white man's world, and see, was there anything of value? You know, obviously these people, they conquered us. Um, They say they are really great and do things better than us. Well, let's, let's figure this out. And so he investigated this for three years, and, and he wrote back, um, both from Europe, but then when he returned, saying, the only thing I could find was this teaching about God. Huh. And he quoted um, 1 Corinthians 13, which is Paul's great exhortation on love. Yeah. And so he <clears throat> he was attracted to Christianity, and in the ghost dance, which was, uh, you know, a religious movement that was mm-hmm. significantly influenced by Christianity, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the main figure is the Messiah, mm-hmm. um, Black Elk participated and had a vision of Christ. Interesting. And so this quote-unquote conversion um, grew out of a very Native context. You know, right. He, he embraced Christian teachings and learned about them and, and sought them out before he ever encountered missionaries right. in a Native context. And Interesting. So from one perspective, which is mine, uh-huh. um, his, his baptism into the Catholic Church was a continuation of his vision, and um, part of what what we could say was the indigenous discovery of Christianity. You know, we talk about a lot of times yeah. uh, missionary efforts to yes. convert indigenous people. A lot of times they're seeking it out in certain ways themselves, and they appropriate it in ways that missionaries and outsiders don't always expect. Yeah, and I think that that's, you know, some of our listeners might be thinking, you know, this is all a little strange and because they don't know how that can work. Um, Mm Because you would say, I think, would you say that that his Lakota spirituality informs or helps his Catholicism or his Catholicism completes his Lakota spirituality and maybe even ours? Does that make sense? Oh, that is, um, I think, the main question and I think what his sainthood offers uh, was, you know, a really fruitful part of his potential sainthood. Yeah. Um, so missionaries tended to be a little bit too heavy-handed in the claim that Jesus fulfills native spirituality. I mean, I think as believing Christians, we always have to believe that on some level, Yeah. Uh, but it, it could come off as paternalistic, yes. uh, especially yes. in mission schools and yes. things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that was true for, for Black Elk uh, and a lot of people who became 
Christians, such as uh, St. Kateri. Yes. Um, but also, with Black Elk, we see the first Native saint who inhabited his Native spirituality uh, in a holistic way, and that continued to inform his Catholic life. Uh-huh. You know, he was he was big in sort of revitalizing the teachings that he thought were still relevant. You know, um, one thing that happens as as new Christians enter the church, they bring their old traditions, right. but they read them in light of Christ and yeah. of, of yeah. um, the gospel, and so they are renewed as well. And the parts that are not consistent with the gospel are. Mm-hmm. Uh, left aside or reinterpreted, and so that's what he did. And yeah. there's this a, a very profound richness that I think a lot of us modern people are yearning for. Mm-hmm. Um, we hear that in the teachings of Pope Francis, you know, urging us to look at creation in a new way. Yeah, um, and this is something that Black Elk offers us. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I think that's so true. That I mean, if there's truth, anything that is true that it, that is found in other spiritual traditions or other faiths, it, it's obviously it's true. It it, it can be it, it deepens our understanding of that same truth that we might also find in, in Christianity. Um, if he was to be canonized, what do you think he would be patron of? Well, the more I think about Nicholas Black Elk, you know, I discovered him. Long before I knew he was Catholic, I was interested in his life um, throughout, you know, the the quote unquote Indian Wars. Yeah. Um, and he experienced all of the worst that the modern world has to offer. I mean, certainly there's wonderful things the modern world offers, but hmm. um, the whole Lakota world, the indigenous world, uh, was didn't just collapse; it was torn down, hmm. and people had to find a new way to live. In, in the New World. And Black Elk, and others too, but particularly Black Elk, did it uh, with incredible grace, um, the emphasis, emphasis on reconciliation and healing. Huh. Um, you know, he really lived the, the theological virtues, faith, hope, and charity um, in an incredibly trying context. Right. And, you know, you think about the challenges that we face, you know, um, there's sort of a broad spectrum of how people feel about environmental issues, mm-hmm. you know, what the future holds, um, geopolitical problems. But there's a real sense that we're on an edge for many different reasons. Uh-huh. And it's easy to despair. And I think that, you know, a St. Nicholas Black Elk would be an incredible witness for us to step boldly into the future and, you know, with faith, hope, and love that. Hmm. Our God saves us, He's with us, He suffered with us, and that ultimately uh, He will make all things new. Hmm. It's almost like a patron of hope, in a way. Yes. You could say that. Um, it's it's fascinating. I'm sure that if people want to find us, certainly uh, listeners in the Midwest, and if they're in South Dakota, definitely they, maybe they've already heard about Black Elk, or if they want to find out more, um, they can go to the to the uh, Diocese of Rapid City, South Dakota, to the website, and there's information there. The only thing I would add is that, you know, sainthood, the cause for sainthood, depends on the faith of the people. Yes. You no, know, it, it depends on the life of this person, their witness touching you and affecting you. So if you want to be part of this, research this, pray, pray to and for Nicholas Black Elk and, and see what happens in your life. Yes, absolutely. Good, uh, mm-hmm. good advice for all of us. 
Damien, thank you for bringing this story to us and for sharing a little bit about uh, this great man that clearly touched you and, and through you it's, is hopefully going to touch a lot of other people. Damien Costello, he is the author of Black Elk, Colonialism and Lakota Catholicism, published by Orbis. And as I said, you want to find out more about the cause for canonization for Black Elk, go to the website of the Diocese of Rapid City in South Dakota. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Out of Darkness, with Of the Father's Love Begotten from their latest album, Where You Are.
That was Out of Darkness with Of the Father's Love Begotten from their latest album, Where You Are. Now, I don't have a daughter, nor am I a mom, and I've never heard of a mom and daughter journal. I don't know if that's a thing. And so when Lori Yubowski of the group Out of Darkness told me about this book project that she was writing with her daughter Ava, I was intrigued. The book is titled Side by Side, a Catholic Mother-Daughter Journal, and it is beautifully designed and rich in spiritual content with each page containing thought-provoking prompts designed to help a mother and a daughter share their thoughts and faith while strengthening their connection with each other. And that's it. That's all I know. So to tell us more about it, I am now joined by Lori and Ava Yubowski. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Lori, welcome back. And Ava, welcome for the first time. So why why did you, Lori, why did you want to write a book with your daughter, Ava? That's a really good question. We, um, a couple of years ago, we had moved and um, we had just some things to kind of figure out. And Ava was kind of reaching the age where she could kind of make decisions on her own as far as, you know, what I want to be involved in and how am I feeling about this move and um, just kind of starting to navigate that territory of um, trying to be more emotionally connected with her as she was going through different things in life and discovered quickly that she processes much differently um, than I do. And, and I like to talk things through to kind of figure out, you know, what's the best path to take. And um, but she very much internalizes and thinks about it for quite a while. And so I was finding us kind of at a standstill where I was trying to talk her through things, but she needed time to just think about it as I stared at her expecting an answer. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, So we started uh, writing back and forth to each other uh, in a journal we had found, but we we quickly found that it just just didn't incorporate anything that would help us talk about our faith. Um, So while it did help kind of our communication level, it didn't it didn't really dive into the things that I felt we really needed to strengthen our relationship and just to communicate together. Uh Uh-huh. And did the idea to, to just write your own, was that something that you came, came, the idea came of you together? Ava, how did you feel about the fact that your mother wanted to have these conversations or even write a journal with you? Um, well, I was honestly quite surprised because like, I didn't expect her to want to write a book like I didn't uh-huh. I honestly didn't think she'd have the patience to do that <laughs> <laughs> wow we're being honest today yeah but but did but you f- I, yeah I was quite excited because I mean it was pretty cool that I would get to write a book at age 12 yeah and uh I just thought she had a lot of potential to put um really good ideas and thoughts and prompts into that book so Right. And did you feel when you were doing the journal before you decided to write your own, did you, when you were doing the journal with your mom, did you, did you like that? Or did you think that was a little strange or awkward? Well, I, I really like the journal actually, because like, it's like talking to her, except you don't have to see her face. (laughs) So it's like, it's like, um, yeah, it's like that it, you can, it takes the pressure off. Yeah, you can yeah. say more things in the book. And Absolutely. You don't really feel that embarrassed. Yeah, I think and it, it. And you can know that, like, 
whatever goes into the book stays there unless like you want to talk about it outside of there. Yeah. But it's, it just feels more secure to me. Of course. I'm sure that anybody who's a daughter or a son would actually understand exactly what you mean. Um, Lori, can you tell us quickly what, how the book is designed? You said so there are some, some, you have some quotes. Are there stories in there? How did you, what, what sorts of things did you include in this journal that makes it different from other mother journal, mother-daughter journals out there? Sure, yeah. Um, as it evolved in working with our editor, we, we organized it into sections and I kind of call, I call them sections, not chapters, because the cool thing about this journal is that you don't have to go in any particular order. Right. It's designed so that you can write to each other um, in any space, mm-hmm. whatever is kind of speaking to you at the time. Um, so in that way, that takes pressure off as well. And uh, But the, the different sections each have the same kind of format and setup. So it would include personal story from Ava and I, we each write our own section, okay. and then we spotlight a saint or um, or a Bible character, mm-hmm. and then we have a section to get to know each other, just fun, silly things. Um, we'll write back and forth to each other, and then we'll have a section that'll dive deeper into our faith and talk about some of the things or the characteristics and qualities that those saints um, portrayed and how we can you know, strive to be like the saints in that section. And then um, Ava's favorite section, you can talk about that for a second if you want. The creative section. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so tell me, Ava. The creative section is like, um, there's different ones in each uh, chapter slash section, but it's like different questions where you can, you can either like draw it or just write out what you think about it. Mm-hmm. And like, some of them are really cool. Like, there's, um, a coloring page and like a word scramble almost. Okay. I just like it's just a fun way to put creativity and in, into talking about your faith and everything like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sounds like fun. So, um uh who's this book for, Lori? Is it just for mothers and daughters? Can I use it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you could. Um that's a good question because we do definitely have the Catholic identity to that book. And of course with um, Ave Maria Press being a Catholic publisher. And they're, I just have to say, they've been absolutely amazing to work with. Um, But I do want to say that it's, it's not limited to Catholics. There's a lot that um, any mothers and daughters, or, Mm -hmm. you know, if it's a situation where it's a grandmother and a daughter Mm. or granddaughter, Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's definitely something that can be adapted because we, we do recognize that families, come in all different shapes and sizes these days. And um, so we do want to encourage people to know that it's something they can check out. Right. And, um, yeah. And, and our age group is, is pretty much the tween years. Um, right. So even like 10 yeah. to early high school or even beyond. Um, yeah. It's, it's, that's kind of the target age. But um, so if you feel your daughter's you know, mature enough at nine even, mm-hmm. I mean, we just give it a try. Um, it's not too early to start developing that bond and that, that healthy communication. Yeah, that's a really good point. So anybody that has that sort of mother-daughter, it can be an aunt, it can be an older sister or, mm-hmm. or a godmother, that's that's really good. Um, I don't want to mm-hmm. let you guys go without asking you about, because you live in Florida and you were just hit by mm-hmm. Hurricane Michael, and I know that you were uh, greatly affected by that. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how you how that went for you? Yeah, sure. We um, have lived on the coast. Uh, Gulf Coast of Florida for 
16 years now, and we've sat through a few hurricanes, but this one uh, just just really didn't feel right. It was strengthening really fast, and it was not. It didn't appear to that it was going to stop. So we actually evacuated for the first time ever. Really. Um, and very, very grateful that we did. Our When we got back, our house, um, we discovered that our house had taken on a lot of roof damage and a lot of water damage. The holes just opened up in the ceiling. The ceilings collapsed. Um, water poured down the stairs and flooded every hmm. every room on our first floor. Um, we have lost a lot. Mm-hmm. And uh, we're now displaced for uh, probably it could be up to a year. So, wow. And now that it's been... It's, Two weeks to the day, actually, as mm-hmm. we're speaking. But um, it—it's actually amazing that we can talk about this without tearing up at the moment. It's kind of we've just kind of gone through many many of the stages of grief and have accepted our new mm-hmm. normal. Um, but it's just unbelievable. It's—it's it's probably already out of the news. I don't even know. I haven't been it, able yeah. to really watch any television. But it, this is going to take forever for our community to come back from. Everything is basically destroyed. Yeah, I think you're. Um, yeah, you're right. It's it's not in the news anymore, but it's good for us to remember that this is something that has affected real people, you included, and your whole community. And so we will keep you in your prayers. Um, I, I also wanted you. to ask you. I know we've been playing some music from um, from your previous albums, but the reason we're doing that is because you have a new uh, publishing deal with World Library Publications. Can you tell us about that? Yes. Yeah. Very excited to be part of the World Library uh, family. We. Uh, our, five of our songs, um, two of them are off our latest album, and then the other three are from our previous album, album yeah. Stronghold. Um, but very excited to have those in their, their resources, and it'll be available as sheet music as well. And, Great. Uh, yeah, so we're very excited, and we appreciate you sharing. Yeah, so, so, so these songs and three of the ones, well, we've heard two, and we're going to hear another one now, so they would be available for sheet music, so people can use them presumably in liturgy, <laughs> I suspect. Yeah. Um, but I guess they liturgy, can use them adoration. for anything else they want. So that's through World Library mm-hmm. Publications. Okay, you guys, I'm going to have to leave it there because we're out of time, but um, I'm so glad that you reached out to tell me about, about the journal. I think I'm going to secretly journal by myself, <laughs> pretend I'm, I'm my mother and my daughter at the same time. <laughs> And see how that goes to see if I can get in touch with my inner inner daughter. Um, uh, thank you, Ava. Thank you for uh, for uh, for uh, coming on the show with your mom. It was fun to meet you over the airwaves. Yeah, it was fun. I enjoyed it. Okay, thank good. Thank you so much. Yes, by Lorian. Say hello to Adam. Definitely. God bless you. You too. So side by side, this new mom, mother, and daughter journal. It's a it's a it's a Catholic mother and daughter journal by Lori and Ava Yubowski. It's published by Ave Maria Press. They have a website, sidebysidejournal.com. That's where you can get all the information. You can also learn about the Yubowskis and the music of their group, Out of Darkness, at their website, outofdarknessmusic.com. And so we're going to close the show with one of those songs from Out of Darkness. Here is Let My Soul Proclaim from their album, Stronghold. Let my soul proclaim your greatness, Lord, let my soul, let my soul proclaim. Well, how can this be? You have shown me the Savior, and I will call him Jesus. His mercy sets me free. I am not afraid.
shown great favor. Nothing is impossible. Let my soul proclaim your greatness, Lord. Let my soul, let my soul magnify your grace and sing your praise. Let my soul, let my soul proclaim you have shown me your strength. listening to Out of Darkness with Let My Soul Proclaim from their album Stronghold. This is a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Find me on Facebook and follow me on Twitter. Check out our website at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. I think it's safe to say that most of us struggle when it comes to reading the Bible. It's, it's hard to understand, hard to keep track of who's who, hard to know what's where, and even sometimes how to read all those strange names. Wouldn't it be nice to have a Bible that makes it simple and even shows you how to actually read it? Well, that Bible exists. It's called the Great Adventure Catholic Bible, and to tell us all about it, I'm now joined by Jeff Cavins. He's co-editor of this Bible and the creator of the Great Adventure Bible Study Series. Jeff, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you. It's good to be with you. So what's so special about this Bible? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think what's, uh, what's really special uh, about it is that, as far as I know, it's the only Bible that actually uh, has built into it um, the key to how to read it. You know, how do you read the Bible in chronological order okay. uh, as, a sto- as a large story? So how does that work, I, I, the color-codedness? Because that's the first thing that's really obvious when you grab it. You see all the colors. How does that, yeah. quickly, how does that work? Well, the Great Adventure Study it basically takes the most complex book in the world, the Bible, and makes it simple. And uh-huh. we do that by dividing the Bible up into 12 periods, and then to read through those 12 periods, those are color-coded periods, uh, we, at that point then, we take the 14 out of the 73 books that are narrative. In other words, they keep the story moving, yeah. and, and uh, we, we build the Bible uh, around that. That's the color-coded, color-coded system. And so you, you have built into the Bible the Bible timeline chart, yeah. which goes through the 12 periods and the 14 narrative books, and then the other 59, you can see visually where they belong. And now we brought all that to a Bible and with some articles on how to pray Scripture, uh, how to interpret Scripture by Dr. Peter Williamson, Dr. Right. Mary Healy, just some really outstanding scholars. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the the Bible study, the Great Adventure Bible study, and maybe some of our listeners are not familiar with that. 
Can you explain? I mean, you explained the timeline part of it. Um, what what else can you tell us about the the Bible study program? Yeah, the Great Adventure Bible Study, <laughs> excuse me, is is uh, basically uh, twenty four weeks through the entire Bible from uh, Genesis to Revelation, and we study it in chronological order. So I take you through uh, on video and workbook and small group discussion, take you through that entire story, and then we also have a, an abbreviated version called Unlocking the Mystery of the Bible, which is eight one-half-hour one sessions where we can get someone up and going in, in short you know, short order. And the nice thing about it is, is that if you've never even picked up a Bible yeah. before, uh, with this system, you can understand at least the basic structure and how to start reading it very, very quickly. Right. So, but can I use the Bible, this new Bible, without doing the Bible study? Like, does the Bible work on its own as well? It does, yeah. It does work on its own. The timeline charts yeah. are in there, and the color code system is in there, and an explanation on how to do it. And you can use the Great Adventure Bible uh, with any other study, too. You know, right. Whatever study it, you, you might uh, might be involved in. Yeah, I, I I think that I mean I love I love charts and I love maps. I'm clearly I'm a visual person, um, so I, and I find myself this is why one of the things I love about this Bible. I mean the maps are, are are amazing, but I have other Bibles that also have great maps, and I find myself flipping back and forth a lot of times. I'll, I'll read something and then I want to go back to the map and see where it is, and and it gives me a, a fuller picture. Um, would you say that? that is an appropriate way to read the Bible, that, that we're, we're not reading it, that we're reading it as, that, that we're studying it as we're reading it. I guess, I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah there, you know, there's different ways of, of uh, approaching the Bible. One is purely a devotional where you read, <laughs> you read and, um, and, and you pray. Yes. Pray scriptures. Yes, yes. And then there's you know, academic studies where people are just going after the, the meaning of the authors, and uh, you know, and and then going into the spiritual, uh, the, you know, the spiritual aspect of it, you know, how right. it relates to Jesus, our own life, and the future. Um, so, what, one thing that's really interesting, though, and you brought up something there, and you talk about, you know, studying it, yeah. uh, is that the the Jewish mindset is very different than the Greek mindset. The Greek yes. mindset um, was really they would study in order to, you know, to understand and to use. Whereas Jews in Jesus' day, they studied to revere, and so uh, study was actually a form of worship in right. Jesus' day. And you could you could open the Bible. We didn't have Bibles back then; they had the Torah scrolls. Yeah. But you could op- you could open up the Torah scroll, and you could study, and that was considered a form of, of worshiping God. Yeah, yeah, and I, I can see that even in my own experience. That and and, and I know it's like well, I'm told we're, we're to read the Bible, we're to study the Bible, we're to pray with the Bible. But sometimes, as you say, all those three are are one and the same. Um, mm-hmm. How did you get involved with this project? Well, you know, we've, do, we've been doing the, the Bible studies for uh, many years now, and I like something like 1.6 million people now have gone through the Great Adventure study. Yeah. And so uh, we kept, you know, thinking uh, we'd really like to see a good Bible out there that's really sturdy, usable, has um, red-letter edition, you know, where Jesus' words yeah. are read, uh, extra margin space to write some notes in the, you know, in the margin, and... Um, and, and, and a binding that will last, and, and a good feel to it. Because I really think that 
you know, a Bible is something very personal, and it stays with you for a long, long time. Yeah. Uh, make it a pleasurable experience, a tactile experience. Mm-hmm. Um, what is, so all of that, um, I guess, is part of the, your hope on how people are going to use it. And I, I appreciate what you said about the, the binding and the cover, because I have so many Bibles, and you can tell which are the ones that, that are falling apart, because you use them a lot, and they're all written and scribbled. And, um yeah. Is your hope that that this this is a, and I hate to call it a tool, but it's a tool that will help people um, go deeper into our faith through the Bible? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm hoping that they go deeper in, into our faith, uh, even probably more to the point. I'm hoping that they will discover the heart of our Heavenly Father, hmm. and that they will discover His plan of sheer goodness that He has for us. And by doing that, they will have a foundation for trusting God. And I think that, you know, the the end of all Bible study really is the doing of it. And, mm-hmm. um, and getting, it's a personal letter. I mean, it's a letter written by a father to his children, Vatican II says. And and so we need to approach it as, as children who are being taught, and God is revealing himself in words and deeds, and our response is, is the same. We respond with words, and we respond in, in deeds as well. So... My, my overall goal is that people would come to know the heart of their Heavenly Father and that they would uh, know His plan, resulting in an amazing relationship of trust mm-hmm. and worship. Maybe in closing, what would you tell that one person that says, I, I, I believe, I go to Mass, I, I'm a faithful Catholic, I don't need to read the Bible? What would you tell them? I, I would say... Um, you don't. Yeah, you're right. You don't need to. You get to. Um, <laughs> but but um, it, it is the greatest source of revelation, and it's inspired by God. It's 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 different than all other writings, all other books and publications, in that God is the author. You know, along with the human authors. And if God came down to our level, and um, and uh, he and he was con con you know condescension. He comes down to our level like a an yeah. adult with an infant, and he's speaking to us very personally. That's worth reading, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Well, those are wise words, and I'm very excited. This this is now Bible number eight in my collection, and I love having different translations because then I can compare in different languages. So that's well. Um, thank fun. you, thank you very much for for uh, reaching out and letting us know about this, and I hope that our listeners will. Uh, uh, go and find out and get it re, re-inspired into picking up their, their dusty Bibles and, and, and uh, not just reading them, but praying with them and studying them as well. Thank you. Appreciate it. Jeff Cavins is probably one of the best Catholic Bible scholars and teachers. He is the creator of the Great Adventure Bible Study Program and one of the editors of the Great Adventure Catholic Bible, available through Ascension Press. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Steve Bell with Magnificat by John Michael Talbot from his Pilgrim Year companion CD. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord And my spirit exalts in God my Savior For he has loved My name will be forever exalted For the mighty God has done great things for me 
That was Steve Bell with John Michael Talbot's Magnificat from his Pilgrim Year companion CD. Steve Bell is a songwriter, storyteller, and all-around troubadour. Over the course of his 25-year solo music career, he has been sharing a message of love, hope, and faith through songs, stories, and various writings. And now he can add published author to that list of accomplishments. His book series of devotions inspired by the liturgical seasons of the church is titled Pilgrim Year and is published by Novalis. And to learn more, while he was in town last week, I had the chance to speak with Steve Bell. Steve, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thanks. It's really good to be here. It's so good. You know what? I mean, you you have no idea who I am, but I've known about you for a long time. Oh, okay. A long okay. time. And in fact, it was through Catholics. Mm-hmm. Who not uh, Here I am already branding. It's like, you're not Catholic. <laughs> um, like what, what I said I was not going to do. Yeah. But uh, no, so it's so it's a great privilege. I mean, not just as because of your trajectory, your career, but as a Canadian too. I think oh, we're very proud you. of you as a Canadian. But I think uh, a lot of our listeners... Maybe you're not familiar with Steve Bell. Sure. Like down this in, in the US, if you've got US yeah. listeners, yeah, I've got less less listeners. I get down there, but not as much. Yeah. Now you've been doing music for a long time. Yep. I heard you say last night uh, that you didn't really set out to be a singer songwriter. It just kinda sort of happened. Like one day you're like, Hey, I guess I'm a singer songwriter. So what what <laughs> how would you say <laughs> who is Steve Bell? Well, you know what I when I was growing up as a teenager, I mean I wanted to do music, but it never occurred yeah. to me it was an option. Yeah. And then I got out of high school 
um, looking for work and, you know, just didn't really know what to do with my life. And so I started playing in nightclubs, yeah. basically to kill time <laughs> until I figured out what I was supposed to do f- for a living. Uh-huh. So I spent a decade in the clubs. Yeah. And at, at that, during that point, I got married and had kids. And at a certain point, that starts to wear thin. You, uh-huh. you go on six nights a week and making no money. And it's not a healthy environment to be in all the time. Right. No, not at <laughs> you all. Know? And so um, when I, you know, but at, at that point, what am I supposed to do? And, yeah. and so I quit the clubs. Um, but that's when this, this, the music that I'm now known for started to come out. Okay. Um, this sort of devotional, often scripture-based um, um, sort of lyrical right. music. Um, and 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 I didn't 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 occur to me I could do anything with it. But people started hearing it, inviting me to to play in churches and right. do concerts, and that turned into albums. And it's kind of slowly over a couple of years became a thing that right. all of a sudden I went, oh, I'm a singer songwriter, and and not only that, I'm a devotional Christian singer songwriter. Well, that, that was what I was going to ask you. So were you always were you always a Christian? Yeah, yeah. My dad's I come from Baptist stock. Yeah. Um, and you know had you know your classic sort of evangelical, you know, conversion experience yeah, at yeah. DVBS when I was eight years yeah, old. Yeah, you know yeah. that whole thing. Yeah, you were saved. Yeah, I was yes. saved. Oh, all that. Yeah. Don't yes. worry, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but our life was complicated. My mother has suffered with mental illness her whole life. Okay. Um, and and there's other sort of sorrows and tragedies that we live through as so sort of all the sort of the, the, the Christian evangelical platitudes yeah. that are supposed to get you through and, and make everything okay didn't work for me. Uh-huh. Um, and so I found myself I was a believer, I just didn't know what to do with it. Okay. Right? And so I was a I was a confused believer. <laughs> right. You know, um and I didn't really know what to do with um sort of the vagaries or, or the, 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 the difficulties of life that I wasn't expecting right. that shouldn't come to those who are faithful. Right, exactly. Right, that, that's sort of the theology, right? Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and um, so it took me a while, and it was actually through a lot of um, Catholic um, and Eastern Orthodox writings and friends and right. um, stuff where I, I sort of... Um, you guys do a better job of sort of a theology of sorrow and grief mm-hmm. and, yeah. and, and, you know. Um, yeah, suffering. And yeah. suffering. We have a theology of brokenness and sin, yes. which I know you do as yes. well. Yes. But we don't have a great one for sorrows mm-hmm. and suffering. And it's sort of through there that, you know, my faith started to make sense. Right. Um, and so a lot of people, you know, assume by listening to my music and my stories often that I'm, that I'm sort of cradle Catholic and I'm really not. Yeah, no, it's, in- yeah, but, it's but true. It, I can but see But that. it is through those influences that. that my faith started to make sense Now, to were me. you already an adult when this was happening? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, with my mom? No, when you were when your faith started making yeah. sense that you so, were yeah. so trying to in, sort in, in sort the through late it. my late 20s yeah. and then when I left the clubs um, um, that's when all of a sudden the scriptures started to form melodies when I read them and had you been but you had been writing music before yeah secular stuff so you, you know okay. just for the nightclub scene and and but not that much writing we were mostly cover bands I didn't th- see myself as a songwriter okay other than I wrote the occasional song right but the songs that were coming out at this time were songs that were reflecting your your spiritual I guess yeah, journey yeah right so what happened was an old family friend, Father Bob McDougall, he used to okay. be on Huntley Street uh-huh. um, years ago. Some, 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 oh, I guess, yeah, you listeners wouldn't know this. But he, he came to my house and he said, I think you should do a gospel album. Right. And I said, I don't think so. Oh, yeah. And I said, I'm a failed bar musician, right? Yeah. Like, that's not what I do. And he said, I think you should. Yeah. And I said, well, he says, you must have, you know, a dozen songs you could do. I says, I suppose. But I said, who would pay for it? Like, where would I get this money? <laughs> and he said, how much would it cost? And I threw it on a figure. Yeah. And this, this guy pulled out a checkbook and funded my wow. album. 
Uh, so my first album, which changed the course of my life, of course. was actually funded by a Catholic priest of course. who wow. just wrote a check what a and gift. said, yeah, you need to do this. What right? a nice yeah. gift. And now how many albums since then? That's 20 albums ago. 20 albums yeah, ago. Yeah, and thousands of concerts and, you know, yeah. Exactly. I know. And now a published author. Yeah, now a book. A yeah. book. <laughs> yeah. a seven well, books. A, a, a book series. I know. Excuse I me. I know. Seriously. <laughs> so so uh, Pilgrim Year. Yep. Uh Going devote it's a, would you say it's devotion? It's devotion, following the yeah, liturgical it's, yeah, it's, seasons. It's a, it's a seven book, vo- uh, seven volume, um, slender volume um, yes, series of, right. of sort of meditative, meditative reflections on major aspects of the of the Christian the church calendar. Okay. So there's a book on Advent. There's a book on Christmas. There's a book on Epiphany. One right. on Lent. One on Holy right. Week, Easter, and ordinary ordinary time. time. Um, it's interesting because you, you're saying I, I think that the devotionals, the books are very similar to your music in that the music is reflecting kind of what's happening inside of you. It, yeah. They're devotionals in a sense. Yeah. And now this is just a different medium. Can well, we say yeah, that? it's just another way of doing Because usually in, in my concerts, if you go to my concerts, I'm always telling stories that are setting yes. up these songs. So yes. basically what I've done, I've, yeah. I've kind of written them down yeah. in an orderly way. But I started looking back at my material and my music and realized how inf- influenced I've been by the church calendar year, which is weird for a... Protestants, yeah, right, and so, and I really, and and the more I, I, I realize the the profundity of this tradition, and how significant it is, um, I just, I just wanted my friends and people to, you know, say you need to pay attention to this tradition. Um, right, this is this is a deep, deep, rich resource for it us, is. and we don't know it's there. No, because I was going to ask you why, why devotions on the liturgical, like the seasons of the liturgical year, but you just answered it. Yeah, I mean, that's it's kind just, of it's speaking to you in a way that you. Th- Think other people should pay attention. Yeah, and I and I, and I think about it in terms of a, a, the grand narrative. You know, we're always influenced by other people's. Um, you know, whether it's television. You know, like a like I talked last night at the book launch. You know, Survivor. Yes. The show Survivor is a narrative. Yes. yes. Of, of a limited resource where there's one winner. Yes. Um, and that even friendships are strategy for yeah for basically the decimation of, of competition. Yes. That's yes. a narrative. Yes. Um, and and that narrative told over and over and over again is going to produce a certain kind of society that yeah. I think is quite dangerous. Yeah. But we have this, um, another narrative of a super abundant God, an evergreen um, creation, yeah. uh, a God who loves what God has done mm-hmm. and, and, and is going to protect and sustain it. That's a, you know, which makes possibility, uh, makes love a possibility because yeah. it's not limited, mm-hmm. right? There's enough <laughs> yeah. and it's good. Right, and that yeah. that, and I think the, the the calendar year, the Christian calendar year, tells in in some really wonderful ways tells that story over and over and over again. And we need that to seep into our DNA if we're going to be good musicians, politicians, scientists, yeah. um, you know, whatever. Right? Yeah, because and it also mirrors our daily lives. I mean, that's sort of what we're doing, yeah. you know, in terms Absolutely. of and here in North America, definitely the seasons, the winter, the the warmth, the summer. Yeah. Um, it, w- this program is airing. I was, I was going to ask you, you know, kind of pick pick which is your favorite season and maybe give us some 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 <laughs> thoughts on that. Right. But it is an Advent, so maybe we should stick to Advent. And maybe well, it, gi- that is my favorite. G- oh, good. Yeah, absolutely. Good. Advent is my favorite season. I mean, there's there's I mean, there's there's so many themes, and you know, you could write yeah. forty books on Advent and they'd be all different. I, it's just it's just a very it's a very deep and profound season. Yeah. But for me, I mean, it's such a maternal season. Yeah. It's a deeply maternal season, and I really believe this is true. That is, the, the Advent season, I think, and I, people might object to this, is really about us. Uh-huh. It is, uh, uh, when you think about the, 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 the prototype Christian, Mary, yeah. who received the seed of God in her womb and bore it f- forth for the sake of the world. Yeah. 
That is the dignity of every human being, Amen. to receive the seed of God Amen. and to bear it forth for the sake of the world, not yeah. for my personal salvation, no. which is also quite important, mm-hmm. you know, but that we're blessed to be a blessing. And, it's, mm-hmm. and, it's, and the, the, the human person is created to be maternal spouse to the divine. Yes. And anything less is beneath our dignity. I know. I love that. You know, and, and, and that theme has been just churning in me since my, my mid-30s when I started to grasp what's behind the story of Mary is really about the dignity of, of the human person. Yeah. You know, notwithstanding that she's unique in history and, and all that kind of stuff. But I'm as not, a model. But a prototype. Uh, uh, yeah, as a prototype. Yeah. As a yeah. model for yeah. all of us that Christ... Uh, that we are all God's maternal spouse. Maternal spouse. I yeah. love that. That is such a beautiful image. Yeah. And and that we that Christ comes. That that we are called to bring Christ through us. Christ, that, Christ to give birth. Us. Yes, we to give, give birth, birth to Christ, to Christ in, the world. in the world. To new life. Yeah, to absolutely. The kingdom. I mean, yeah. the, the metaphor. You know, you can you can it's explore so this for decades. You can. Okay. Yeah, but once once that gets in your DNA, everything becomes wonderful. Amen. And I think that that gives <laughs> right. that gives meaning to the other seasons. Well, see, that's the thing. It sort of sets up all the other seasons, right? Right. And all of a sudden, a lot of things make sense uh, from that, right? So I, I don't know. I, I I think it's key. I think it's vital. And of course, I mean, Advent has wonderful saints' days. You know, yes. there's there's you know Nicholas, of course. Yes. You know who's fun. You know, but you know Saint John of the Cross's day yes. is in there. Father yes. John of Kronstadt's day is in yes. there. You know, uh, there's there's lots of there's lots of you got the um, the oracles of Isaiah are rehearsed. Um, right. The O antiphons. Yes. Like, they, there's just so there's much. A lot of, yeah, you're right. Okay, yeah. good. So then uh, that's an, enough of a teaser should be for people to be intrigued to get the books, mm-hmm. uh, not just the Advent one. You get the whole set. Yeah. Pilgrim year. Uh, we'll let you know how to get that uh, in a little bit. Steve, it's been great having you here. Oh, thank you very much. It's an oh, honor. Great, uh, great privilege for me to be able to to give birth to Steve Bell <laughs> to our listeners uh, of the Salt and Light Hour. <laughs> thank you so much. <laughs> Good okay. to have you. Thank you. That was a conversation I had with Steve Bell last week. To learn more about him and his music, go to stevebell.com. His new book series is titled Pilgrim Year, and it's published by Novalis. You can learn more at pilgrimyear.com. Here now is Steve Bell with Keening for the Dawn from his Pilgrim Year companion album. On and on the night goes on, brooding dark before the dawn, we are waiting. Buried lips rehearse our creeds, bellies swollen with your seed, we are waiting. Hardened shards of broken bread, small consolations in your stead, soured wine and tonic for the pain. Dutifully we take our fill, still we long to see your face again. Stirs the memory of your touch We are waiting We are waiting
We're listening to Steve Bell with Keening for the Dawn from his Pilgrim Year companion album published by Novalis. And that concludes this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. Learn all about Salt and Light and support what we do at our website, saltandlighttv.org. We can't do what we do without your support. If you have any questions or comments or just to say hello, reach out to me through Facebook or Twitter. Thank you for listening to this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Such stirs the memory of your touch. We are waiting.